Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One hundred ninety-one. One hundred ninety-one. That's a big number, especially in the context of years. One hundred and ninety-one years. That is a long time. I am no mathematician, so you can check my calculation. But 191 years ago was the year 1827. In 1827, John Quincy Adams was the President of the United States. In 1827, Beethoven died after a prolonged illness. In 1827, the Episcopal Diocese of Mississippi held its first annual council. As I sat at the 191st annual council last weekend in South Haven, I kept thinking about all those years. I wondered what the issues facing our diocese were at the 50th annual council, at the 101st annual council, at the 150th annual council. Someone asked me how many councils I have attended. My best guess is probably nine or ten at the most. Nine or ten out of 191. It is humbling to think that I am merely a small speck in the history of our diocese. I was reminded of something Bishop Gray said to me while I was in seminary. I had just finished taking a lengthy and arduous course in church history. I said, Bishop Gray, it is quite alarming how the church has gotten to this point today. It's been messy. It's been political. It's been bloody. It's been violent and it's been sinful. There have been heresies, schisms, and wars throughout the history of the church. He replied in the way seasoned bishops do, with his eyes closed, his hands together, and the cadence of his voice becoming deeper as he replied, it does make you wonder how the whole darn thing hasn't fallen apart. But there has been something that has held it together all this while. 
That is the Holy Spirit. It is that same Holy Spirit that was with us as our diocese gathered once more in South Haven last weekend. It is that same Holy Spirit that gave us the resolve to pass resolutions affirming the voice, opinion, and dignity of every person and that those voices, conservative and liberal, male and female, black and white, gay and straight, are all welcome in our Episcopal Church and have a place at their Lord's table. It is that same Holy Spirit that led Pam Maynard, Ruby Medlin, Michael Medlin, Sloan McKellar, Grace Simmons, Robert Pooley, Becky Heron, Stan Heron, and Eric Eaton to accept the call from God and the commission from our bishop to be licensed as worship leaders in our diocese, the highest office afforded the laity or those who are not ordained. The commissioning of these nine persons Friday night of annual council is proof that that same Holy Spirit I have been speaking of is dancing here at the Chapel of the Cross, equipping us for ministry, giving us strength and sustenance to go into the world and proclaim the good news that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and by gosh, Christ will come again. That is what we are called to do here at the Chapel of the Cross. We are called to be disciples, and disciples do not stay in the same place. We must go out. We must leave this place. We cannot stay here because the work of Jesus Christ happens out there. We are called to be disciples, and disciples do not stay in the same place. Just ask Peter. The first day of Jesus' ministry has been a smashing success. It could not have gone any better. Jesus has astounded the scribes with His teaching in the synagogue, for He teaches as one having authority. He doesn't stop there. For an encore, He casts out an unclean spirit in the synagogue. We are told that at once His fame began to spread. How could it not? You astound the experts and then cast out a demon. All of this taking place in the synagogue, the most crowded of places in the whole city. Our Gospel lesson tells us that Jesus left the synagogue and took His show on the road to Peter's house, although He didn't have to go very far. It is believed that Peter's house is right next to the synagogue. In Peter's home, He immediately heals his mother-in-law before settling in for a busy evening of healing and casting out the demons of many. All in a day's work. All in a day's work. The poor carpenter's son from Nazareth becomes a celebrity. All in a day's work. Jesus, born in obscurity and secrecy, is made known. All in a day's work. The kingdom of God is shown forth. All in a day's work. God is revealed as compassionate for the sick and a lover of the possessed. All in a day's work, Jesus has cast out sickness and demons from all those in the city. And this is just day one of His earthly ministry. Our Gospel lesson foreshadows the fact that on the last day of His earthly ministry, He will cast out the sins of the whole world. I'm sure Peter was delighted with the way things went on that first day. 
Peter, the local boy, the hometown hero, was no longer simply a fisherman. He was a friend and a close confidant of Jesus. I'm sure Peter himself may have felt like a celebrity. Not only had these things occurred in his hometown, but they happened in his own home. I'll bet old Peter was up early and dressed for another successful day of healing and casting out demons, only to discover that Jesus had risen earlier and was nowhere to be found. I'm sure Peter panicked. I'm sure he awoke the neighbors asking, Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Where could he have gone? We are told that Peter and some others searched for him. But the original Greek is better translated as they pursued him or they hunted him down, letting us know that Peter was not about to let his claim to fame get away. Poor Peter thinks he is Jesus' manager. Peter implores Jesus to come back because everyone is searching for Him. It is time to get started. It is time to cast out more demons and heal more sick. I'm sure he was sorely disappointed with Jesus' response. No, Peter, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. Peter has much to learn about who Jesus is and who Peter himself is. Jesus did not come to be a celebrity. Jesus came to reveal who God is. By Jesus' healings and casting out of demons, it is revealed that God wants us to be our best self. But God still loves us and reaches out to touch us at our very worst. Peter is a disciple, and so are we. We have been baptized into a way of life, and at the heart of that way of life is discipleship. Peter's Lord said to him, No, we have to leave. We have to move on. We cannot stay here. Other people need me. Other people need all of us as well. And this is why we cannot stay here. Disciples are not, be, are not meant to be confined to the comforts of hearth and home of what is familiar and known. Disciples are sent out. Disciples are to roll up their sleeves and do the work of going out and proclaiming the love of God and not withholding that proclamation from one person because all people need to hear that God loves them. <coughs> Discipleship demands that we do not stay here in this chapel, but rather we receive the body and blood of our Lord for our journey and we go out and we tell people about this chapel and our belief in God's love for all persons in this place. All of this we are sent to do at the end of our worship together. And all of this we do with a resounding, loud, thankful, joyful, and dare I say it, Sandy Stater-esque, thanks be to God. Amen.